I think it's a combination of problems. I think ultimately, you know, potentially we will we'll touch on this a bit later, but in terms of, you know, the, the ingredients that ancestors are using, our ancestors are organic cotton ranges, 100% organic cotton. So we have pads, tampons, and liners. And compared to mainstream products, which are made from plastics, plastics are cheaper. And ultimately we're discussing, you know, an essential product here. So consumers and customers are used to paying lower prices and to then be told, actually, hang on a minute, the product that you using is not the best product for your body it's also not the best product for the environment but you do actually have to pay extra to get the best product and that is a difficult shift that consumers have to make and as businesses as brands it is well we definitely see it as ours it's our duty to communicate why that change is so essential Thank you so much for clicking on this episode of Millennial Entrepreneur. The ambition of the podcast is to show relatable stories from young entrepreneurs doing some incredible things to inspire the next generation, including you listening wherever you are. We've been doing this podcast for over three years and the ambition has not changed. The only thing that has changed is the scale of where we want to go. We want to bring on bigger guests for you guys to show more and more relatable and inspiring stories from young entrepreneurs across the world. The majority of you guys listening haven't subscribed to the podcast yet. All you have to do is click that subscribe button wherever you're listening on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and now allow us to bring on big guests and ask the questions to them that you really want to hear. And it really is that simple. So thank you again for clicking on the podcast and enjoy the episode. Hey, Lucy, how are you? Hey, I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm very good. It's very exciting to have you on the podcast. We took a little bit of a break, actually. So this is the first episode we've had for like two weeks. Um, oh, privileged. Yeah. I know, I know. So you're the first one back. <laughs> <laughs> that I, I was really excited to record because your journey and your product is unique to the podcast. We've not had someone like you on the podcast before. And it always sort of surprises me um, because I've recorded about 130 episodes to date. And, you know, it always surprises me um, how how people's journeys are so different from one another, um, even though we all sort of share the same ages. So, um, yeah, I guess before we jump in, how did it all kind of start for you? Yeah, definitely. So um, in terms of ancestors, so just to give a little bit of context for those that might not have ever heard of ancestors before, uh, ancestors is the UK's largest uh, kind of irritant and plastic free period care brand. Uh, very excitingly, we also acquired Moon Cup, who are the original silicon menstrual cup brand to kind of further our mission as a, as a sort of plastic free period pioneers. In terms of kind of how the idea and ancestors came about. So it's founded by myself and my mother, Claire, because we realized that despite having, you know, almost 30 years between us, that actually very, very little had changed when it came to period care um, in terms of the ingredients that are used, in terms of the kind of wording and narrative around period care as a whole, and also just in terms of kind of stigma and taboo. And we decided that we wanted to do something about it and to, to make a change. No, yeah, that, and that that really was like such a cool story when I got introduced to you guys. And um, I think like before we, before we hit record, I said to you that maybe it's because of bias, like because of me as, as a man, I've never had anyone from your like yeah from from like anyone like period care, menstrual care yeah. on the podcast before. So I might be asking some ignorant questions, like, but it's important to ask these questions as as men because as I said before, all, all women experience this. So I guess um, yeah, you said you started it because of the plastic free angle. Yeah. I guess what were the existing problems in the market that you guys were looking at um, before you guys started? 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think if you, you know, if you just walk into a supermarket, you'll realize that one of the least sustainable shelves is period care, Mm. you know, within period care. So mainstream and conventional period care, the product that I'm talking about, um, there is such a high instance of plastic pads, for example, conventional pads can contain up to 95% plastic. Um, and with, and you know, within that it's because there's a, um, not only can they have kind of plastic sheets, um, kind of viscoses and so on, but inside the pad, there's also something called super absorbent polymers or SAPs. And these are little balls that basically when a liquid is added, turn into a gel like substance. And, you know, these, these SOPs are terrible for the environment. You know, they, they don't break down. They're terrible for your skin because they don't allow your skin to breathe. Um, but the one thing that of course they are really good at is absorbing. And ultimately when it comes to period care, you know, that is that, you know, that's why they're used. That's why people use them, but they are terrible for the environment. Um, and not only, kind of that, but also mainstream period care products are fragranced. Um, they're often dyed and bleached so that they look white and therefore they contain irritants. And those irritants can obviously trigger gynecological infections like thrush and bacterial vaginosis. So kind of from a user experience perspective, they're, they're terrible, but they're also really bad for the environment. So, so that's kind of, that was our, that was our problem statement. That was sort of, you know, what we, what we were wanting to address basically. That seems kind of crazy to me though, because it's like a product that like pretty much all women use, right? Yeah. And it's like, from what you've described to me, it seemed like not much innovations happened in the space. Yeah, I mean, definitely, I think period care, but women's health in general, it's it's been left behind in, you know, in somewhat the dark ages. It's under-researched, it's underfunded. Um, I think, you know, what you'll find is that a lot of kind of medical research is done, you know, primarily on men. Um, and I think and that's, that, you know, very often that's generalized to women. Um, and, and then, of course, within period care, I think, you know, it's, 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 it's about the products, but it's also about the language as well, like the narrative that's created. So, for example, within tampons, you know, the traditional um, descriptors used for a tampon would be normal flow or regular flow. But, you know, in this day and age, we don't, you know, why would we speak about someone as kind of, you know, that's a regular person, you know, mm. th- these words just aren't used. So I think it's also about the narrative and and within ancestors kind of conversation and the narrative we're creating, it's actually, it's just about absorbency. So it's just factual. So it's light, medium, heavy. And, and, mm. and I think, you know, when we, when we're talking about these, these things, we just need to be completely transparent. We don't need to kind of cover it up with these kind of yeah crazy words. And also from the perspective of you know within the supermarket it's called you know sanitary care you know sanitary implies like it's you know the periods are dirty that like you know dirty, menstrual yeah. blood is dirty and again that's just not kind of a narrative that we want to be creating so i think there's yeah there's a lot of change that needs to happen and yeah, yeah. ancestors are definitely kind of motivated and um yeah our mission is, is to help change that mm. why do you think i guess like there hasn't been that much innovation b- between both the products as well as like the language that it took so long to, and I, I, like all the stuff that you said, it seems fairly basic to me, but as you said it, I've realized that a lot of places still have the old language. Mm. I think it's, I mean, a combination of problems. I think ultimately, um, you know, potentially we will, we'll, we'll just, we'll touch on this a bit later, but in terms of, you know, the, the ingredients that ancestors are using, our ancestors are, are, Organic cotton range is 100% organic cotton. So we have pads, tampons, and liners. And um, compared to mainstream products, which are made from plastics, plastics are cheaper. And ultimately, we're discussing 
you know, an essential product here. So consumers and customers are used to paying lower prices and to then be told, actually, hang on a minute, the product that you're using is not the best product for your body. It's also not the best product for the environment, but you do actually have to pay extra to get the best product. And that is a difficult shift that consumers have to make. And as, you know, as businesses, as brands, it is, well, we definitely see it as ours. It's our duty to communicate why that change is so essential. Um, but ultimately, you know, these things and, you know, cost of living within with the cost of living crisis and you know the, the disposable income that people have to have to spend have to, have to yeah have to spend uh, means that people do have to make decisions and sometimes it comes down to you know are you going to buy conventional pads that are x percent cheaper or are you going to buy the sustainable option the option that's better for your body and the planet and um i think you know fundamentally that that's definitely a problem mm. so I, I guess price is is one of those barriers right now yeah, I would say so. But I also think education. So we did some research ourselves and found that 80% of women already thought that the period products they were using were made from cotton, which of course they're not. They're made from you know, up to 95% plastic. Uh, so a lot of what our, yeah, what our job is, is educating or even re-educating, you know, explaining that these mainstream products people are using are not made from the kind of ingredients that they think they are. And, you know, yeah, even just sort of within that, that's, you know, that's, that is a big task. I had absolutely no idea. And it seems like one of those things that's, I don't know, correct me if I'm wrong. It seems like a fairly easy substitution, right? It's like one of those plastic straws to to paper straws things, right? Like it's like, and it will make such a big impact because people use them, like women use them all the time. Yeah, absolutely. And in terms of, for example, taking a taking a period pad, we've had feedback from people saying that they've had, you know, recurring thrush or, you know, you know, anything, um, any type of, uh, sort of, yeah, viable vaginal infection and said that since changing to organic cotton, you know, those, those symptoms and those issues have completely been alleviated. So, you know, we, we know that the products are better for our bodies, I think is just that kind of transition really. Um, and, and consumers are on a journey because, you know, within ancestors and moon cup, we have single, um, single use, uh, sustainable period care, but we also have reusables. So our period cups, our period pants. Mm. And for a lot of people, kind of making that change from a single use product to a reusable is actually quite a big change. Um, yeah. You know, if, for, for example, take period pants. You know, you're not changing your tampon every kind of 40, four to eight hours. You're potentially, you know, wearing pa- pants instead. And even just that adjustment in someone's mindset is completely different. And the same for a period cup. A, in, unlike a tampon, a period cup basically holds menstrual fluid in, as, a, as opposed to absorbing it. And even, you know, that adjustment is 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 a big one for, for many women. So it is, mm. it is a journey. Lucy, it seems like education is such a huge pillar of what you guys stand for, what you guys are trying to do because of, you know, the problems that existed that you said before. Now, you're up against, I guess, like the existing incumbents are some like massive corporates, right? And they've been around for a long time. I guess for you, how do you go in to try to disrupt consumer behavior and also try to educate at scale? Yeah, I mean, great question. I think in terms of sort of the the brand itself, I think obviously the brand messaging, kind of how we, you know, I mentioned the narrative kind of earlier, it's sort of unpack how we communicate the kind of the fact that traditionally, well, you don't. You don't have to include um, ingredient lists in period care um, because a lot of the time, you know, these 
um, kind of mainstream brands don't want to. But mm. actually for us, we're all about, we've got nothing to hide. So here are our ingredients. It's basically 100% organic cotton. Um, and I think firstly, being really bold and honest about that. I think in terms of, I mean, you know, just just sort of business and business expansion, obviously, you know, getting the word out there as much as we possibly can. We're now kind of in over 25 countries. We're stocked in over 250 stockists. Of course, you know, we're we're in the supermarkets in the UK, we're in Boots and um, Asda. And I think, yeah, just making sure that kind of throughout all those different channels that we're that we're using, we're communicating you know, why this change is important. And, but as you said, you know, edu- education is, is such yeah. a kind of important part of what we're doing. Especially when it's a behavioral product that you're selling, right? Like, and this goes for a lot of behavioral products where they, you know, it's being used on a monthly basis, weekly basis, like it's being used on a regular basis and you're kind of disrupting habitual spending patterns. Yeah, yeah, totally. And I think, I think, you know, there, there is so much work to be done within within period care and, and within women's health broadly. But I do think that we're we are, you know, it is becoming much clearer how and I think there is there is just a hunger for it from consumers to understand more about where their products are coming from. And of course, as you mentioned earlier about, you know, a, a quick transition, you know, we're trying to make that transition as seamless as possible for customers so that, you know, they don't they don't need to feel that they're actually making a big change so that it is, um, yeah, an easy, smooth transition for them. Mm. I guess when it came to setting up the idea and then growing, I guess, what was the growth strategy? So you said you've been in, you're, you're in a few stockists, you're in a lot of stockists at the moment, <laughs> huge ones. I yeah. guess like initially, what was the growth strategy? And then how did you expand after that? Yeah, I think initially we definitely kind of wanted to try a couple of different growth channels and growth routes we did kind of in the early days quite a lot of testing especially with kind of different marketing channels um kind of yeah of course of course with social media and then kind of figuring out what worked for us but i definitely think you know we mentioned the education side but i think you know word of mouth is so important within you know even within the ancestors team you know we're, we're all so passionate about the product because we can you know we can see with our own eyes how you know products containing super absorbent polymers which you know, are basically these microplastics terrible for, you know, oceans, they don't biodegrade, terrible for the planet, we're in, you know, a a planet crisis, like, it's impossible not to be impacted or affected by that. So I think word of mouth is so important when it's something that you, you know, feel strongly about. And as women, we know, we we talk so often about, you know, these vegan, cruelty-free beauty products that we put on our face, or, you know, um, yeah, body creams and and all of this, but actually, what about the things that we're putting inside our body? Like they're also really important. Uh, so I think in terms of um, growth, you know, as you said, you know, we're we've, we're in lots of countries, we're in lots of stockists, um, but you know, word of mouth, letting the product speak for itself, and then also, of course, you know, getting in as many as many doors as we can, really. Mm. And then the stockists, I guess, like how do those conversations happen? Yeah, so of so you know we've been going for sort of just over four years now, and I think initially we you know we were very clear on the kind of type of stockist that we wanted to to be in. You know we were very clear in terms of our um, sort of credentials and the the product that we that we have and and where it would fit well. Um, but ultimately, we're a challenger brand. You know we're challenging the status quo. So. And we know that the majority of people buy period care in supermarkets. So that's where we need to be. Um, so ultimately, you know, 
I'm sure, you know, startups, FMCGs um, know that getting into, you know, supermarkets or kind of high streets can be difficult. But, you know, I think definitely over the, you know, the time that we've been, we've been in business, it's been, you know, kind of slowly, slowly building, building. And, um, you know, from the beginning, we've known that to have you know, the biggest impact possible, we need to, you know, be in as many hands as possible. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, making sure that we, you know, we are where customers need us um, has mm-hmm. been, you know, really important part of that. Lucy, I'd love to ask, I guess, like you've had the journey for the last four years and you talk about education being a strong pillar of what you guys are doing. Were there, what were the sort of like biggest barriers when it came to actually growing? Yeah, sure. I mean, I think, you know, obviously I mentioned, you know, being a challenger brand, you are challenging the status quo, which is always going to be a big job. And I think many consumers and customers are, you know, sometimes resistant to change. Um, I think you need, you need to take them on the journey, you know, what you're doing, why it's necessary, encouraging, guiding, uh, educating. Um, but then of course as well, you know, we, we do work with, um, an essential product and actually when it comes to the product itself, you know, we need to be accessible and we need to be affordable. Um, but because we've stripped out those petrochemicals and replaced them with natural ingredients, the product is more expensive. Um, and, and within that margins are tight. So as we grow and, you know, even, even though we're producing more volume, you know, the product, you know, the margins are still tight and, and ultimately we're still, you know, semi-expensive and, and 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 therefore that requires consumer behavior to change because it's not about education it's once you've educated they have to then you know make that decision with their money and and they make that through understanding why and then um yeah you know making the spend and and so therefore understanding you know as a whole products that are better for them and the planet because ultimately you know mainstream and conventional products are just not sustainable um you know for for the planet or for for you know individuals there um yeah as i as i said before so yeah yeah especially when like say you're pitching to a supermarket and you said like being in a supermarket is essential given that it's an essential product given that mm. that's where most people are buying these products but i i know for a fact i've had a lot of fmcg you know, founders on the podcast, these supermarkets hammer your margins. Mm. They, they, they want to, and especially when there's incumbents on the market that are cheaper, they want mm. to, for you to remain as cost competitive mm-hmm. as, as them. So I guess like, given what you just said, was that a barrier when it came to having those conversations with supermarkets? I think it also, you know, you're so right, but I think it also requires greater, this kind of greater power and this, you know, it requires regulation change. At the end of the day, period care should be accessible because, as you said before, 50% of the population of the world requires it. And therefore, from a, you know, from the supermarkets perspective, the, the customers do need to have choice. You know, we, we need choice. And I think as the world should shift and hopefully is shifting to more sustainable, uh, planet-friendly options, supermarkets do need to be offering their customers these products. But... It, it is challenging. It is. There's no, there's no disputing the fact that we're slightly more expensive. You know, yeah, supermarkets, you know, are, of course, you know, they want to get the best margin as well. Um, I think in a lot of instances, as I say, it's, it's, it's hoping and kind of, you know, in many ways sort of fighting for change within supermarket strategy. So they are, you know, they want to be able to go out there and say, you know, 
within their period care aisle, we have, you know, X, X number of SKUs that are, you know, planet friendly or, you know, organic or, um, and, and, you know, we've X number of brands that are B Corp certified, you know, and, and actually to consumers that then become selling points for supermarkets, but no, you're so right. It is a challenge. And I think just the way we see it is, you know, we have to work together. We obviously both want to, you know, from our perspective, we want to get sustainable period care to as many as possible. And from their perspective, they want to sell as much as possible. So, you know, by, by creating sort of, you know, joint business plans and um, I guess, you know, agreeing sort of certain strategy paths, that's kind of how you get there. But no, it's it's definitely, um, it's not easy. Mm. And Lucy, you talk about regulation. I, I know, I, I remember living with, with women that would talk about this a lot um, because I know there's like tax on certain like products and that doesn't make any sense given it's an essential <laughs> product. Um, but I guess like from your perspective, what needs to be done? Yeah, I mean, obviously within the UK, there's there's really positive progress in terms of um, yeah tax and in terms of kind of offering free free period care. Obviously, having tax is completely unnecessary on period care because it is an essential item. I mentioned earlier period pants. Period pants still have tax on them, which is just completely absurd. Like, in what planet would knickers and especially period knickers, you know, would you know, is is it acceptable to have tax on those? Um, but as I say, it's you know, it's it's government policy, it's it's regulation. These things need to change, and and it you know, again, I go back to kind of the planet and and you know, of course, global warming and all these conversations because change does need to come from you know policy and government and you know, in, of course, in terms of things like tax, so that people you know feel that sustainable products are more accessible and more affordable. And I think that, you know, that is, you know, that's something that we're always campaigning for. And, um, you know, we work collaboratively (laughs) with other brands as well to, to campaign for this, because as, you know, as we say, it affects so many women, it affects all women, it affects so many people. And, and it's just crazy that, you know, this is, this is something that we, you know, is, is still reasonably low on people's agendas, but, you know, should be, should be so much higher. Yeah, Lucy, I feel like the discussions for this stuff have only happened, like, recently, which is, which is absurd, because, like, the problem's been around for forever, right? But the, but the conversations, I feel like, have only happened, like, in recent years. Yeah, I think, I think they have been going on for a long time, but I think definitely in light, in light of kind of, you know, recent semi-political events things like brexit you know etc i think these things potentially come to light a little bit more um but i i know they they have been sort of ongoing for for a while um and i but yeah i I do think that now they're gaining sort of mass media which is fantastic and we need way more of that but also as challenger brands you semi do have sort of the under you know, you don't have the upper hand, you have sort of the underhand. And and therefore you are always on a campaign against sort of bigger conglomerates, organizations. Um and yeah, and again that that is, you know, something that we need to, you know, kind of overcome and, and is a challenge. Mm. Do you ever, do you think that these conglomerates, these, these big brands will come out with like similar products to you? And do you, because I've spoken to, to brands that are doing so like the eco-friendly or 
cruelty free or some sort of a, a socially better alternative to big corporates and sometimes they actually welcome like big corporates actually making that step into a more an eco-friendly because obviously it gets that um that better product you know more accessible and, and you know higher scale exactly as you say ultimately our goal is for you know as many women menstruating people as possible to have access to sustainable period products end of Mm. So would you ever work with like these big corporates to make that happen? I think as a business, we're, you know, we are very clear on our kind of sustainability agenda, um, you know, in terms of the range that we have, obviously we have um, single use disposables, but obviously that are sustainable. And then we have, sorry, single use, yeah, disposable. And then we have reusables. I think in terms of as a business, we you know, we're very focused on creating as much change as possible with kind of what we have. So, you know, ensuring that, for example, we are B Corps certified and therefore are kind of, you know, making sure that we are, you know, yeah, kind of reaching certain levels of, um, you know, planet friendly, environmentally friendly, um, uh, you know, so like, so, you know, socially um, kind of all these social kind of policies. I think in terms of working with these bigger organizations, I think, you know, it obviously, as long as, you know, agendas are aligned, then I think, you know, of course, any conversation is possible. But I think that it is making sure that ultimately, you know, we want to, to yeah, to be as, as sort of, yeah, sustainable. And when I say the word sustainable, I mean, like, we want to sustain, you know, we want to create something that is sort of long living long serving mm. and that that in itself i think is quite complex mm. it's For not sure. a kind of disposable life you know disposable culture it's 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 i think yeah it, it's it's you know it's so much more than that it's you know we really want to be yeah, kind of educating and advising and supporting with people making really positive changes within their spending and whatever support we can get on that, great. Um, I think in terms of, yeah, work, working with them, I mean, um, yeah, who knows? <laughs> well, you're, you're battling again because I, I, like, I completely admire what you guys are doing because it's a, it's a product that needs to be made for sure. But at the same time, you're battling against these, yeah, these big corporates. The obviously they're still they're making a lot of profit selling these products. Um, you're you're battling against you know consumer behavior that's so you know deep deeply rooted, and uh, you have to constantly educate, which you know might take a while. You're battling against government regulation. You're battling against the you know these these gatekeepers of accessibility supermarkets that might have a preconception of what you know period products should be. So there's a lot of different things and different players at play. And so for you guys to be going for four years and growing and to the level that you guys are at is, is, is massively. <laughs> so Lucy, it's been such a pleasure having you on the podcast. I've definitely learned a lot. Um, how can people stay in touch with you and Ancestors? Yeah, definitely. Um, so we have Ancestors Instagram, which is great for sort of yeah, education, educating yourself and learning a bit more. So that's Ann.Sisters. We also have Moon Cup, of course, and that's Moon Cup Limited, LTD. And then, of course, if you'd like to get in touch with me, my email is lucy at ancestors.com. Perfect. Thank you so much, Lucy, so much. And uh, yeah, chat to you very soon. Thank you. 
thank you so much for having me. It's been an absolute pleasure.